Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your secret keeper and confidant, Lauren White. I'm a qualified counsellor and sexologist, facilitator of all things turn on, author of permission, and a witty, highly intuitive lounge room dancing introvert. I help you as an exceptional woman in entrepreneurship to see, love, and trust all the parts of yourself, especially the unseen. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra, and lift the veil. These are the secrets women keep. Hello, and welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your host and confidant, Lauren White, and today we have a completely deep and present guest. Her name is Theora Mensch. Theora is an expert on relationship mastery, modern day dating, radical communication, and the energetics of intimacy. She's the creatress behind Truly Chosen, the go-to dating and relationship coaching agency for executives, entrepreneurs, professional leaders, and public figures, what their clients affectionately call the hitch for powerhouses. She runs online programs, Wooed and Pursued, Reclamation and Relationship Dojo, and has a luxury six-month one-to-one container. And she has a new podcast out called Wild and Precious. Here to talk the secrets of devotional loving is Theora Mensch. Theora, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. I, I love hearing my intro. Is that, is that a little overconfident? I was like, ooh, she sounds so great. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she really is great. Yeah, we oh, love her. You. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> I love you. I um, will tell listeners that um, I've been following through for, I would say, almost two years. I'd say it was beginning of 2020. And I just really, I just think you are such a quality person with such quality offerings for this world. And I love um, I really love your posts where you are so crystal clear who you work with, like, you know, only apply if you want this level of luxury, if this is you. And I love that clarity in um, calls to action for people and mm. potential clients because you know where you stand and who you serve. And it's very sexy. It's very attractive. And I just love it. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. It's, I mean, we could go down that rabbit hole as well, but I, I think, um, entrepreneurship is such a, I kind of jokingly say it's like my favorite plant medicine Mm. because it's so characterized by uncertainty that like, you don't know the lesson until you dare into, you're like, I have no idea how this is going to go. Let me try it anyway. And then you do it and you're like, Ooh, that didn't work. Or like, Oh, that worked. And I was not expecting that. Yes. Um, so it, it is, it is just such a roller coaster of daring into uncertainty. It is like I, um, and I think that's why I'm so drawn to friendships now and connections where other women are entrepreneurs because we can, there's just that mutual understanding of the roller coaster and learning the lessons as you go, learning what you are and aren't available for, learning mm-hmm. who you work best with and where your energy is best utilized it's just this beautiful constant refinement isn't it like you're just constantly polishing polishing the diamond polishing it polishing or polishing it again (laughs) yeah it's um yeah one of the best personal growth program you can do is run your own business (laughs) yeah agreed agreed You cannot, I mean, it's a lot like partnership, right? Mm. Where it's a mirror that will give you immediate feedback uh, around like, are you in alignment with your values? Are you showing up the way that you say you want to be? You know, like there's nothing faster than a partnership or a business to deny deny you trying to dunk something, you know, Mm. right? Because, because, you know, if you say you're going to do something and you don't follow through, your business suffers, your relationship starts to experience distortion. So yeah, just like very powerful mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. Bang on. You're absolutely right. Um, we will talk about your business later. I would love to talk about your business later. I've got lots of questions, but the first question I actually want to ask you that I ask a lot of guests that come onto the program is about the bathroom store moments in life. 
And now mm. I define a bathroom store moment. Or it could be a bathroom floor or a car or a, I don't know, aeroplane, toilet, store. It could be anywhere. But it's one of those moments in life where it's kind of like the breakdown before the breakthrough and you're on mm-hmm. your own and you're usually crying and it's like a daytime dark night of the soul and you're like, I feel so intensely, intensely alone in this. But the mm-hmm. only way out is through. Just wondering mm-hmm. if you've ever had a bathroom store moment that you'd be willing to share with us and what came from that experience. Oh my gosh, I've had so many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll actually think I'll actually speak about the one that I had most recently, which does have to do with business. Um, which is I so I I did I did build a luxury brand and a luxury brand that was doing quite well. And d- last year, about six months into the pandemic, I mean I I was like, oh, great. Look at all this time I can work. Like I had such an undiagnosed workaholism problem. (laughs) I was like, ooh, I could work seven days a week, 10 hours a day. I have no social functions to distract me from productivity. And I did really, really well. It was the best year in my business. And, um, And I ran my signature program, Mood and Pursued, which has now been retired, I think mm. three times, or at least the live version. You can still buy, get it digital if you want to be wooed and pursued. But um, I ran it three times. Um, each round did really well in its own right. And I did that, you know, you get into it and you're doing all these things that are not your zone of genius, right? And so all of the, all of the coaching is like, hire a team, hire a team, delegate all the <sighs> stuff you don't love to do. So I hired a team. So by um, February of this year, I had a team of seven people working for me. And um, before that, in September of the, of the year that COVID happened, um, I ended up in the ER with a gut infection. And I remember they brought me a list of all the stuff I I shouldn't eat. And I was like, Oh, don't drink, don't smoke don't eat gluten, don't eat dairy, don't eat this, don't eat, you know, like I didn't, I didn't fit the sort of like Western medical mind. I wasn't doing any of the things that were, would supposedly cause a, an infection of that degree, but the, except for it said stress. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like I literally made myself sick and put, put myself in the hospital because it wasn't just work. It was also the second wave civil rights movement that was happening here in the U S and across the world. And, um, and I was so stressed out. I put myself in the hospital and then I was like, and then I, I I see this happen all the time too, where entrepreneurs promise themselves they're going to slow down. So I promised myself I would slow down, but I didn't actually slow down. I just, I just agreed with myself to put out less product but I still was worrying just as much. Mm. I was still like f- fretting. Then, then I hired a team because I was like, oh, well, I'll hire a team of seven people. Thinking that somehow managing a team of seven people was going to be less work, right? Like, mm. wait a minute, what? Mm. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Like teams require management. They require leadership. They require checking in, right? Like there's, there's, it's a different kind of work. Um, and so I told myself I'd slow down. I didn't actually slow down. I just, I just like did less and was more anxious um, until I basically in April was like, okay, my business is making a lot of money. I'm paying seven other people's salaries. My clients are still getting amazing results, but I'm miserable. And I was starting to dislike showing up for the work not the business part, but like the actual heart and soul of the work that brought Mm. me into it in the first place. Mm. And, um, and that was really jarring and disorienting where I was like dreading client calls and that, and that's when I was like, okay, some, something real, I need to simplify. I need to really scale things back. I ended up letting go of my team of seven people and just brought on one VA. I moved to Tulum, Mexico for a couple of months (laughs) And, um, it took, it actually probably took me about three to four months to decondition myself to a lot of sort of like, I would say like toxically capitalistic stuff I've been taught just like things that seem really simple. And they're like, 
the, you hear them throughout the industry all the time, but it's like, you need to show up consistently on social media. Mm. Maybe like if you're a coach and you, when you get on social media, that's harmful to your mental health. That actually might not like be the place for you to build your business. Yeah. You might be able to build it really beautifully through a high value email list. Yeah. Um, and and there were just so many things that I, especially when I first got into coaching, that I had resistance towards that I was told, well, like that resistance is actually you playing small, like that's your money block, or that's that's like your fear of your bigness, all all of this sort of internalized, I would say like victim blamey stuff. Yep. Um, and 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 until I ended up back in the hospital in July of this year. Again, with I, it was either an ovarian cyst or another gut infection. They're not quite sure. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, Kira, you actually have to slow down. You mm. can't like just go to a paradise, a place that looks like paradise and think that that counts. Like, you yeah. actually have to slow down. You have to build more space. You actually have to tune into your body and be like, am I being nourished in this moment or am I performing self-care? Because mm. I was performing a lot of self-care. Oh, that strikes a chord. Yeah. Right. Where you're like at, on the massage table and you're going through your to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, wait a minute. Is this actually nourishing your body? If you're stressed out about forgetting the thing that you want to make sure you get done after your massage. I don't know. Right. I, I can't answer that for any, for the listeners, but so this is all leading up to my like, yeah, no, no, moment, no, which was actually like loving this <laughs> light, light blue, blue Prius driving out into the Oregon gorge by myself moment. Um, so that happened in, I was, I ended up back in, um, the ER in July and I think it was a week later I was driving out to the gorge and I still, I was still really struck. I don't, it, it was so hard for me to be like, well, what do I want to do? And I couldn't tell like, what's mine or what are the things that I think are on the menu available to a coach like me? Right. Like, well, these people made this and that looks super sexy. So do I want that? I, I guess I do want that because it looks really sexy and magnetic. Um, and I, I couldn't really differentiate what, what what were like my authentic desires versus like, oh, their life looks like happy and it looks like their business is easy all the time, you know? And so I originally was going to re- release a podcast called The Relationship Revolution. Yep. And... I was driving and I was like, okay, Fiora, you know, typical, like you got to get on this. You've been talking about wanting to do a podcast for years now. I was driving out into the gorge in my (laughs) my little Prius. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to come up with like four themes for episodes. And we'll just start there. Just, you know, just break the ice. And I was in the car and I literally out loud was like, oh, I'm so bored. Yeah. Right. I was just like, ugh, like, because I, for so long had been trying to filter my creativity to like, what's on brand and what's my niche. Right. And really, which doesn't mean that I can't create things because I, I, before we started recording, I could talk about relationship till the cows come home. Mm -hmm. I could talk about polarity. I could talk about communication. I could talk about attachment adaptation. I could talk about love languages. Like Mm -hmm. I want, I love that stuff. But feeling, but I'd been limited myself to those things versus that being just like a really awesome pillar in my creative tool belt. And so I like, you know, hop, bellowed in the car and was just like, I'm already bored. I'm already mm-hmm. bored trying to dumb myself down to one topic. Yeah. And I immediately started to see this parallel between, of course, this is what I often support my clients who are trying to call in new relationships is like, don't compartmentalize yourself. Don't put yourself into the box of what you think is likable by a desirable mm-hmm. partner. Like fly your freak flag. Let's explore all of the, the sort of the faces of you that you haven't given permission to self-express that you don't love and you haven't claimed. And let's start helping you embody that more so that you feel more liberated. So you don't feel like you have to perform to be liked, to be chosen, right? And I was like, oh my God, I'm doing, I'm doing exactly what I tell my clients not to do in love because that's what, that's what I was told is best practice in business, right? How many times have you heard, if you try to help everybody, 
you can't help anybody, anybody or whatever yeah. that yeah that marketing yeah. you're trying to speak to everybody then you speak to nobody something like that and then of course i'm like wait a minute i can think of all these brands that, that totally do that and they're doing great you know like they're like i help women with everything and it's like oh i love your branding i'll buy from you you know what i mean <laughs> so um and and so there it was it felt, it may not to the listener seem like a big thing, but if you've ever been in a moment when all of a sudden the paradigm kind of shatters around you where I was like, Oh, I have to love being in the process of the creation. And then I have to let the results be what they will be. And so that's how wild my wild wild and precious radio, my podcast came about because I was like, I love, I mean, I can geek out on, medicinal mushrooms to financial feminism to uh you know relational consciousness to uh slow fashion and like ethical international trade practices Mm -hmm. right like i can learn about something and then i get really excited and and i am that multi-dimensional i'm and and that's actually some place that i've felt very unmet in my personal life and my professional world is like somebody who can pitch and catch with me in all kinds of arenas. Yes. And I realized like, oh, wait a minute. If I feel that way, there's gotta be at least like a couple thousand other people on the planet who also feel that way, who also love geeking out on string theory when they're like, what? <laughs> Physics? Oh my God. You know? And like, we, and we, we get to go there together. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that was like my most recent, uh, um, you know, bathroom stall moment. And in that moment, I also was like, but wait a minute, that's not on brand. That doesn't fall neatly under this truly chosen relationship brand that I've created that has brand recognition that, you know, like you even said, like you follow, you've followed me because of my content around relationship. And so then all of a sudden I was like, well, do I have to, I have to get rid of the company. And I, and it, so I went into this whole sort of like identity crisis around it. And I actually did on that same drive. Ultimately, I had to give myself permission to walk away from my business because I realized that I was still trying, I was still kind of trying to take these old broken parts, this old broken business philosophy Mm. And I was trying to build something out of it. And what I realized is like, I have to know that I can walk away from this so that I'm actually free to create what I want with what I have now. Yes. And so I like announced, I was like, I'm going on sabbatical. And like, I, I knew there was a possibility, but I internally had to know that like, I'm walking away from this with the possibility of never picking it up again. Yeah. And that's terrifying when you've been building a business for the last four years and like, you know, like the year prior to like a quarter million in revenue. And I was like, ah, like, oh my gosh, that's everything I ever wanted. Um, And it was really freaky. Um, And this was just in July. So this is what, two months, two two months and change ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And since then, I think... So now I'll tell like sort of the benefits of like listening to the bathroom stall moment and like yeah. answering that call. One is I I experience a lot more trust in myself that like I have my own back. Mm-hmm. Um, it also created like a really high level of intolerance that like if something isn't nourishing me, then it's actually not a good fit. Yeah. So now I'm more confident than ever that I won't burn out again because everything that I invest energy into actually already comes kind of like pre prepackaged with fuel, if that makes sense. Mm. Right. Cause, cause I, I'm like, I can't make myself do shit that I don't want to do because someone says it might work. It's going to work out in six months. Like I did that for four years. Yeah. And even though I like on paper made good money, I was miserable. Yeah. Came at I'd a cost. Way, yeah. Like I would rather make way less and feel nourished and be happy. Yeah. Than, you know, do someone else's way. What's cool is it's not a trade off. You can have both. Yes. But I also realized that the only way I'm going to discover a way that's nourishing and prosperous is if I make sure that I'm always committed to anything I do be nourishing. Mm. 
And so I would say I, I'm now, I'm like now in the next volume of whatever my multi-volume like yes. business quadrilogy is going to be. And what's, what's been really interesting about it too. I don't know if I'm like all over the place, but whatever. Um, I am all over the place. No, no, no. <laughs> um, it's no, this thread is absolutely exquisite. I am just, I just feel like, oh my gosh, are we like soul flames? <laughs> so I, yeah. I sit here going, yeah. oh my God, this sounds like me. And that sounds like me. This sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and okay. So then, so basically I went to this big restructuring and there was also like the, there was these, these months of like, maybe, maybe the, maybe the sabbatical moment was June. I don't know. But there was like two months where I literally was like, I have no idea what I'm doing professionally. I mean, mm. I was like, I was like, I'll serve my clients who are under contract right now. I'll do that. I'll fulfill because I actually do love connecting with my clients. But like, I don't know if I'm going to renew or invite anybody to renew at the end of their, our time together, you know? And I'm just was like, Oh, what am I doing? And it was two months of doubt. And can, so that's the other thing too, for anybody who's listening, who's an entrepreneur is like, sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is stay in the, I don't know. Mm. Right. Like, I think there's a lot of pressure. Well, like, you know, clarity is your responsibility and all that stuff. And it might be like, you may not have processed all that you need to process for clarity to arrive. Mm. I think you need to be engaged and curious and open-hearted and paying attention to, I believe in divine intelligence, you know, so divine intelligence can show you the signs, but like you, What's so cool about and what's so infuriating about in divine intelligence is like you don't see the sign until the sign arrives. Yeah. It's not like the sign's coming in a week and you're like, okay, cool. I'll relax for a week. You're just like, I don't know for a week. And then like the signs can happen. Yeah. There's kind of like a, a beautiful surrender to that. So there was about two months when I was in this limin- liminal phase of just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. I don't like, should I go get a job? Like, what am I going to do with myself? And what's cool is I had uh, the privilege of resources that I could be in that liminal space. I also want to acknowledge that. And then the restructuring that came through was like, we, well, like, so what do I love doing? I was like, well, there's still a lot of magnetism and wanting to do the podcast. Mm -hmm. I want to teach this way. I really, I love like the equitable nature of a podcast, the fact that it's a free resource that anybody anywhere on the yeah. world with access to technology can, can play. I also love that I can bring people onto a platform because I know so many people who do incredible work. And that, that was one of the things that was always frustrating to me is I was like, ah, I'm talking to this, these people about permaculture and I'm being a total geek over here. But like, that's not on brand. I can't possibly share it with my mm. audience, you know? Um, and then the other was the relationship dojo, which is my membership. Um, and that's something that like has, has been easy for me to show up for, for the last like year and a half, two years. And I was like, Oh, what if I gave myself permission to build this really like inviting, inclusive, welcoming, dynamic membership for people that want to become really artful in their capacity to love devotional mm. and and what if I do it $97 a month yep right and so and and of course like all of like the high ticket training yeah I, I was like but does that mean I don't value my work and la 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 you know and then I was like well wait a minute hold on let's just do the number just the numbers really quick so let's say I get 100 people in this membership, mm-hmm. $97 a month. That's still $9,700 a month mm. for this, for a, for close to the same time investment for me and my team. Yeah. Right. Also, so you get a thousand people in the membership. That's $970,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, oh, there's other ways to create prosperity. Like, like that would be prosperity plus spaciousness plus something that like at no point have I not enjoyed creating. Yeah. Right. And I was like, and, and so this is when some of like the how, because I was like, yeah, I would love to do something different, but I don't know how because I was trained to do this other way. And I can't imagine something outside of what I was taught to think. Right. And so then it was like, oh, and it, so it presented like a new possible structure for a way that I could create a really 
profitable business that nourishes me, that nourishes my clients. And of course, it could just be one offering. That's what's so cool about the scalability of a membership like Mm. that, right? And then of course, since I made that decision, I've now discovered several other memberships that are designed like that, that deliver incredible content to their clients that have like really wonderful communities, et cetera, et cetera. So um, all, all of that to say is like, there was a moment in the car where I couldn't sort of like tolerate my own frustration and boredom anymore. Yeah. yeah. But it was terrifying to let go of what I'd known, not in favor of something that looked better or yummier or shinier, mm-hmm. but like in favor of like, I don't know. And I don't know when I'll know, which is terrifying, which is so terrifying as an entrepreneur who's in charge. Yeah. Of like, you know, it's like, so, so that was my, my Prius in, in the gorge driving out east moment. Yes. Yes. And what you said about letting yourself be in the I don't know moment is very liberating when there is this expectation that we clear energy quickly, that we refind our alignment, that we like hop back on the horse. Like there is a lot of dialogue as entrepreneurs about the quickening, like really quickening up how you clear and how you process and getting back out there again. So there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of freedom in what you said in what you said about allowing yourself to be in the I don't know. Do you have any sage wisdom around some of the ways that we can allow ourselves to be in the I don't know? And I also interpret that to come back to what we're talking about today is I interpret that as a form of devotional loving mm. is for yourself, is to allow yourself to be in the I don't know. So Anything relevant there or any secrets to letting yourself be be in that state? Mm. Well, I, I will offer an alternative to, to sort of like the cultural, you know, because there's a lot of language around like quantum leaps and, yeah. and, and I don't want to like poo poo that. I think oftentimes the people we see quantum leaping had non-monetized assets that we never hear about. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, like, oh, they had a Facebook group that already had 2000 people in it and they just weren't selling them anything yet. Or they, um, you know, had a list from the MLM they used to run or yeah. they were a blogger for 19 years and had 3000 people in their email. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and 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 I think that's such a disservice to the people that are brand new starting out who are like, well, if those people can go from zero to six figures in six months. Why can't I? And it's like, there's actually a very understandable like surface level reason for why that is. It's not just that like your energy is not in alignment. Mm. Um, and I also think that there's, I also want people to hear that like slow can be sexy. Like mm. results do tend to take time and it's not like I, it, I mean, to me, right. Again, like coming, I'm like a, I'm like a big practitioner of like walking the path of sacred union. It's like, imagine beating mother nature up for not growing a forest faster. Yeah. Right. Or you look at the difference between a, a forest that's been planted post clear cut and then a forest, an old growth forest that's been grown over time. And there's a wild, there's a very, there's a huge difference in like degree of majesty, mm. you know? And so I, I think what I want is like, give yourself permission. What if, what if instead of having to have like a Q4 income goal, you had like, what's my two year goal? Mm. Like might that, like if you, like if I, let's say, this is something that I've said. I'm like, I want to have a thousand people in the dojo two years from now. Even if I only hit 50% of that two years from now, I am going to be very content with the service I've created. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think some of it is like the, the overnight successes, I think rarely are the way that they're advertised to be. Mm. Um, I've definitely seen some of the behind the scenes with like, then those businesses imploding later. And that's, and it's easy for me to be like, don't compare yourself. But I, I want, I think I want people to turn to their own nervous systems in their own bodies. Cause that's what I've had to do this year. 
um, I did the like trying to like collapse time in like an engineered way mm-hmm. versus like, well, like if I turn to my nervous system and like, what's the most nourishing way I can show up over the next three months. It's like, it's sending one email a week. It's with like invitations in the PS it's maybe like hosting an event and, you know, and it's like, Oh, and that's it. And then letting that be enough. Mm. Versus like, okay, you need a six week launch and then a mat and then you need to turn on event and then you need the right, which I'm not saying that those things don't work, but for some nervous systems, they do totally. We've seen lots of people. I'll I'll put it this way. They can work. They don't. They can. They can also not work. That's it. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Cause I, cause I did a summit earlier this year and I did like everything I was supposed to do. I hired somebody to do the advertising and the copy and like all these things. I reviewed all the copy. I, you know, like we had affiliates, we, I did turn on events. We brought in all these speakers and it was a total flop. Oh, wow. And I was like, I was sitting there and I was like, whoa. And, and for me, again, it was just an example of like some, like, and that's okay. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was, but the reason it wasn't working is because I was, I was checking boxes and I don't think in the kind of work that we do that that Mm -hmm. is sustainable. Yeah. I think you can do it for a couple of years. Maybe I did it for about four. Yep. And then at some point I would say probably like an inner, to use like polarized terms, like an inner feminine rage is like enough. Yeah. Like I will not, and that's that, and I think that's where my body was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, like we're yeah. not, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, like, and then when I didn't listen, it was like, oh, do you need to tell? <laughs> you need me to say this again? Okay. <laughs> yeah, but she was like, she was like, woman, how many times I got to repeat myself? You know. Um, but it was like, yeah. So I, I remember, like, I felt like that, like I'd bl- I, I was just. <clears throat> mind blown just blew the top out off my gourd when I was like oh what if I just devoted myself to growing the dojo for two years Mm. like what might that look like yeah you know and was like huh and like I can take one-on-one clients if and when they come but it's almost like the one-on-one clients are a bonus and then like all of my attention and energy and nurturing is going to like this like this garden that mm-hmm. is the dojo that like, I love, I've, like, I just wrote an email to my list. being like, these are all the things I love about the dojo. <laughs> right. And it's like, Oh, that feels so no eight week launches, no yeah. webinars that are, that are like secretly, you know, yep. like bait and switch pitches. Yep. All of these things that like a lot of us have been taught that are actually from like very toxically capitalistic sales practices but then they've been rebranded with like spiritual terminology and, um, and some people have made them their own, but I would just say that sometimes that resistance we feel towards those gimmicks isn't our money block. It isn't our sales avoidance. It mm-hmm. isn't our resistance to the, to the complexity of entrepreneurship. It might actually be your intuition and your wisdom saying like, this is not how we want to do this. Mm. And like, I remember telling a entrepreneur friend of mine who teaches a lot of, um, uh, I would say more ethically than most, but teaches a lot of these sort of, um, historically capitalistic techniques. Right. And I told her about going on sabbatical and I was like, yeah, I just like need space because I, I can't do it this way. And she was like, yeah, you know, entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. And I was like, oh girl, that's not what I said. <laughs> I did not say that I was getting out of, you know, like I did, it's not that it's not for me. It's that doing it in a toxic, toxically capitalistic way is yeah. not for me. And like, I'm not going to create for an algorithm Yeah, and I'm not going to, you know, like I'm not going, I'm not going to create content because I'm supposed to have a niche. Mm. Right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, Oh, are you tired of X, Y, Z? Yeah. Like, then you need to learn ABC so that blah, blah, blah. You know, like I was like, the, pe- my, the people I'm talking to are people. Mm. 
why why am I interacting with these humans that maybe I haven't like why am I treating them like commodities or things that have to be converted rather than like flesh and blood people yeah and and I think there is a collective awakening going on around this where a lot of us are like that's not interesting and it's also not of service yes it's not of service to do I get in a lot of arguments with other coaches around how like when people, if people want to get out of contract with me, I almost always let them. Yeah. And, and it's always like, but, but, and I, and I'm like, look, if they don't want to learn with me, yeah, then right. Like that doesn't serve either of us. I'm not gonna be like, well, you made an agreement. So you need to pay this thing. You know, like I'm actually, I'll I'll, I'll have a conversation with them, of course, but if they're like, this is not a good fit for me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to treat them as powerful to make decisions about who they want to be working with. Yes. 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 You know, versus like, well, a contract is law. And so they have to pay me because I'm, because really the truth is I'm still terrified of my sales conversation. That's right. And I don't want to have to do another one with someone else. And I'm also afraid of what this says about me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is for the highest good of them. And for you, you do not want to be still with someone who probably will just stop showing up anyway through force. That's not treating them as a sovereign person. Yeah. Or like, because especially because I've been on the receiving end where I've invested in a program, I thought it was one thing. And the needs of my business shift, shifted rapidly in six months. And the program was 12 months. And I was like, this is not like, if I was an outside accountant or like a financial advisor to my own business, I would be like, don't do this. This is not, this is, this is a massive investment and it's not serving your business at all. And it's mm. tying up you, the CEO's energy. Like, this is not like, right. Like, yeah. And, and I was, and there was no conversation about me being, the very best person to make decisions about what's right for my business. It was just like, well, you made an agreement. And I'm like, yeah, but like these agreements don't exist in a vacuum. They have to, you have, I I think the next iteration and like the next level of consciousness for business is remembering that like we need to not victim blame our clients, Mm. which is also taught a lot in like the business coaching world, right? Like if a client is starting to shut down and stuff, that's their problem. But if they're having a lot of success, that's because we helped. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's all, there's so much readiness to take credit for people's successes and absolutely no readiness to also take responsibility for people's collapse or falling short or frustrations. Mm. Um, And to me that just, that just doesn't hold with my values around like integrity. Yeah. Um, And it is like, I mean, and of course, like, when, you know, if you have, if you have like 50,000 clients, you know, buying a product from you, you can't have a one-on-one conversation, but most of the people who are listening to this, who are entrepreneurs are probably working with individuals. That's and right. You do. Yeah. And if you don't have time to have a conversation with your client about why your program might not be working for them, there's something else going on there Yeah. to, to me. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Especially at the level of investment that we're talking about. Most definitely. Most definitely. How can, are we speaking about, this feels like we're speaking about devotional loving through our business, devotional Mm -hmm. loving towards our clients, devotional loving towards the people that are our clients that want to finish up as clients before the agreement ends, Mm -hmm. devotional loving as a service provider. Is there Mm -hmm. anything else that you can? add towards how women entrepreneurs can be can have this spirit of devotional loving in our work Mm. yeah I mean it's interesting it's like you you say as women and then my first thought goes to like the divine masculine oh because I think well I, I would say it's like it's divine alpha which could be like there's two are you familiar with the terms alpha omega? If you could give us a little refresher, yeah. that would be okay. wonderful. So alpha omega for me are the artists formerly known as the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and part of the reason I like alpha omega is because there's no gender connotation. And so it just creates, it creates more space for creativity I love um, that. and understanding them as energies versus things that are inherently lo- linked to manliness. Or yeah. Yes. Okay. I've been yeah. waiting for this conversation to come up. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. And I actually just saw a wonderful post that was talking about like the different, um, the different, so like in Taoism, it's yin and yang in Tantra, it's, um, like Shiva Shakti yeah. anyway. So there's, there's different schools of thought. It's very dynamic. Um, and there's also, there's also like the Western spiritual mind, which in, perceives it in a different way. So, but so just bear with me people. Cause we could spend like six months playing with this stuff. I know people have devoted their whole life to it, but so when I think about like, how can we be in devotional love? What I, I would say like, this is almost like my spiritual practice, the way that like, or like spiritual lifestyle, kind of the way like Buddhism is sort of considered a lifestyle. It's not just considered a religion. Mm. And it's that like, I often have to ask myself, um, like whenever we're feeling like frustrated or like, um, quote, you know, negative emotions, um, cheated, um, despairing, right. I would argue that that is like, uh, an omega in need Mm. an omega in need. So a a, a feminine energy or a feminine spirit in need. And in that moment, all she wants is for, um, the divine alpha to, to like see her, to be present with her, to protect her if needed, to reassure her. And I think that this is some, and this is very much what parent, what like a healthy parent child dynamic also does. Parenting is actually considered like an alpha energy alpha to like Mm. the sort of like chaos and like unbridled expressivity of a child, which would be Omega. And, um, is that, as women, one of the those sort of upgrades we can do is to embrace actually being the embodiment of divine union. And that includes your own divine masculine. And so, and what's, I think what's so cool about accessing this is it actually, for me, has created a capacity to be like more deeply loving, loving, more deeply compassionate, more deeply empathetic, because one of the things that the divine masculine does is attune to its, its feminine counterpart. Mm. And so, and so we can, and the divine masculine, it's integrity, Mm. right? It's like integrity in action. And, um, and so in a lot of ways, like if, if I look at my personal journey, I was out of integrity with myself, Right. I like, I was getting all of these signals from my frustration, from the lack of connection to my business, to like my body breaking down that I kind of was treating as these other problems. Whereas, and I always, for me, it's always like I tap into my sacred husband energy (laughs) that just like hmm, puts me right there. I was like, Oh, like if, if I like brought in like the energy of sacred husband to interact with that, what, you know what he would do? He'd be like, babe, I love you, but you got to slow down. Mm. Right. He wouldn't be, you know, like that energy wouldn't be hard on me. It wouldn't make yep. me wrong. Mm. You'll be like, Oh, but I just got to write an email and be like, Mm-mm. no, you don't. Right. And so for me, like that sacred husband is something that can evoke for me, um, for other people, it might be like the great mother energy. Um, but I think we really have this opportunity and that's sort of the awakening coming in now, which is like, what does it actually mean to lead with integrity? Because integrity requires self-awareness and integrity requires um, the capacity for incredibly, um, what's the word? Incredibly, uh, what's the word? Um, like sharp empathy. Sharp mm. meaning like um, really clear, mm. right? You have to be able to, to really un- like understand and put yourself in someone else's shoes in order to figure out what's the most integrous way mm. to move forward. Yep. And, yep. And, and I think that like, I think that that's what I see one in like how we treat ourselves. I think it always starts with how we treat ourselves because <clears throat> how we treat ourselves. And then also as a business leader, this is 
like, this is what the business world lacks. It's right now it's the, it's the wounded masculine, it's the wounded alpha that has defined capitalism where it's power over it's taking from versus right. Where it's like, Oh, well you agreed to pay me this contract. So you better pay me Mm. or like, or like, I'll do you this favor of letting you out with a punitive buyout fee where it's like, okay, if I just like am in the closed door, it's just me and God, divine intelligence. What is the right action Mm. that serves me, that serves this person that serves the collective? That's going to be a very different answer. I think so as that when I, when it comes to devotional loving is, I mean, it's, it's the, I think it's the embodiment and exploration of this path of sacred union, which you can apply to business or to your personal life, to your relationship with your body, with yourself, etc. Yeah. And once you start instilling more of that devotional loving, integrating that path of sacred union, what changes do you see in women personally and professionally? Mm. What do I see? Uh, I would say more peace. Mm. There's so much more peace. Um, because, because too, another thing, the again, toxically capitalistic is that all the answers to your business success lie outside of you. That's the messaging and a mm. lot of like, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, you want, you want five figure months, you should join my sparkly accelerator yeah. or whatever. Right? <laughs> and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that like getting expert support isn't amazing. I have a business coach now. I've had a business coach since the beginning of my business. I love yep. my business coach. Yep. But what so few of them do is teach people to really trust in into like in their intuition and in their nudges and in things that on paper don't make sense. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, you don't have any clients yet, but you really want to do a podcast. You shouldn't do a podcast. You should focus on making money and signing high end, high end mm. clients. I'm like, but wait a minute. If there's like a blossom of aliveness in this person about the, a podcast, they should do that. Mm. They should follow the aliveness. So I think, I think like as you practice the sacred union, as you practice sacred union within yourself and others, it's like there's way more gentleness in your relationship with yourself. There's way more forgiveness in your relationship with yourself and others. There's more clarity Mm. because it's really, it's like your body is your highest. It's like your body and divine intelligence are the two highest authorities. So you don't have to go into the six figure mastermind to get the answers, you know? Unless that's where your body guides you yes. <laughs> and then go for it. Right. Yes. But, but there's, there's clarity. Um, and then there's peace of mind because you, you let go of all of this noise. Mm. Um, and, and the other thing too, is I just want to say this, it's not like it doesn't, it's not comfortable, right? Like, yes, you might have more peace, but like, as I've gotten more into my devotional practice of sacred union, I haven't, I haven't been like, oh, but like, but social justice is, is uncomfortable, right? Like if anything, my conviction around participating in the social justice conversation has deepened. Mm. So it's, it's like, I think sometimes, sometimes people confuse like being in flow or being in alignment with being comfortable, Mm. but what sacred union is very values driven, right? Like divine alpha does not confuse honesty with integrity it's not like well i told them so wash my hands of any responsibility in that dynamic which we see a lot of out there there's a lot of confusion around that integrity is like did i do the right thing Mm. especially if it was uncomfortable yeah especially if it didn't make sense on paper yes yeah yeah thank you for bringing up the notion of discomfort um it is easy to, excuse me, to default to thinking or feeling or anticipating peace as being completely comfortable and completely at ease. And you've made a really excellent point there that in your anticipation of peace to, to be open to the discomfort that comes with sourcing peace, being peaceful, 
it's not all, it's not, peace is not an ignorant state. That's mm-hmm. that's part of what I heard interpreted from what you said. It's not, <clears throat> peace is not ignorant. And peace doesn't just cut away the pieces that feel uncomfortable or too yeah. hard. Yeah, peace is not spiritual escapism where you excuse mm-hmm. yourself for participating in mm-hmm. the human fabric. I've seen that a lot in spiritual communities where, especially with the second wave civil rights movement, where yeah. it's like, oh, this is so divisive. And so I'm not going to participate until like a clean, palatable option is presented yes. to me. Yeah. Right. And I was looking at that and I was thinking, like, first of all, I don't believe that we came here to to like I, this is an opinion but you know it's like oh like enlightenment i'm like yes but all the spiritual teachers i know who are like the most integrated and the most practiced are like the ones who like i feel like i know the least you know like they're the most humble about about the work they've done but what it, it's clear is like that we are here to have a human experience mm. We're not here to check out from the human experience. Mm. And that's the whole, that's like whenever it's about awakening and all these things, it's about, oh, like I actually opened my eyes to what it means to be this sort of human spirit composite. And now what am I going to do with it? Mm. Um, And unfortunately, in a lot of spiritual communities, I've seen, I've seen people shy away from the discomfort because it's uncomfortable and have completely lo- missed the point of like, okay, when when it's just you and God, do you think you're doing the right thing? Mm. I don't, and I don't think that question is being asked very much because because I also think that almost all ascended masters would say imperfect progress is better than standing still. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, they almost all of them have like quotes. They also have quotes like "Love thy neighbor" and like, yeah, all the, you know, like all these things like compassion for you know, like like opting into the really uncomfortable things and taking care of other people who yes. don't look like you. And yes. like, I'm like, Ugh, most of them got killed for that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. what is going on? What? Who are you learning from? <laughs> you know, but those are my that's my those are my opinions. Yeah, those are my opinions. But yeah. Um, I would love to know is my final question before I ask you a few quick shoot questions. Okay. What's been the, like, because your work is very personal, the personal, your personal life can be influenced by your work. Your work can influence your personal life. There can be this sense of overlap. What's, Mm -hmm. what's been, what's really had you meeting your edge with, espousing this message of devotional loving like what what has really had you meeting your own edge in your personal experience Mm. I mean I think uh man it just it feels like such a bait like a baby doubt um something that I come up against often in the work is like yeah but I haven't attracted the devotional marriage yet Mm. you know like Mm. um which like who knows who knows what's in store for me um and so I definitely still hear those voices that are like yeah but who are you to teach something that you haven't like manifested in real time yet Mm. um and that that would be my I would say like my biggest edge um, and inevitably when I, I can come back to like how many people I've helped and the fact that I do relationship better than most of the people I, <laughs> you know, like I'm a much better communicator. So I'm a much better communicator. I'm a much, I'm much more generous in my love than mm-hmm. most people are. I'm much more loyal than most people are. And so um, it, it's like just one of those classic examples of this is something I became a master at because it didn't feel like it was for me. Mm. Um, I, you know, I grew up the child of death. I grew up the child of divorce. Um, my father and I had a very strained relationship when I was young 
And, um, and so I didn't grow up really, um, knowing how healthy relationships worked. Mm. I, I, I also looked around and I didn't see, I can't remember really any partnerships growing up. I think I remember the first one was my college boyfriend. I went, I went to visit his family in Chicago and I watched his parents together and I was like, Oh, they seem to like each other. Mm. <laughs> they seem to like each other and love each other and like want to hang out with each other and they communicate, they don't bicker. They communicate really freely. Like, and I remember writing them a letter being like, I kind of thought that functional families were a myth until now. And now I'm like, it was really, it was really such a gift and a blessing to be in that home. Uh, and see like what kind of a family can come from Mm -hmm. parents who love each other like that. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, so my own journey around becoming such an expert and geek around relationships was because they felt very mysterious to me. And I didn't, I didn't know how to create the kind of connection that like my heart deeply, deeply craved. And, um, and I would say my own sort of gremlin comes up around the fact that I, that I don't have like, the personal proof, you mm. know, the personal proof, you know, mm. um, and, and yet also too, when those doubts really bog me down, I always come back to like, well, what other option is there? Right. Like, am I going to just check out and like, be like, mm. or I like, I think that if, I think that if I could rid myself for the longing of the, of the, maturity and dynamism and and enriching love that my heart really craves like if if I could be relieved of that I would have been relieved of that by now because Mm -hmm. being in the creative tension of wanting something and it Mm. not arriving yes like drives you nuts (laughs) (laughs) um right it's like where are you uh and so it's kind of like well if it takes a year or five years or ten or 40 like really I think the only option is for me to show up on this path of sacred union because every lesson I learned makes me better qualified to love the way that I want to love and and to partner the way that I want to partner yes so we'll see Yes. Oh God, you are just exquisite. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to like, <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, get prepared for a words of affirmation um, wave coming two. your way. <laughs> <laughs> it's my love luggage. I am going to do yeah. that in a moment, but first I just want to ask you some quick shoot questions. Thank okay. you for that beautiful, honest response. You are just, yeah. Okay. Words are coming. Quick shoot questions. <laughs> uh, just sacral response intuitive response okay (laughs) something that you're very good at what's your favorite taste what's my of like food anything oh what's my favorite taste um (laughs) the the first thing I thought was salty yeah (laughs) yeah I love savory stuff and also maple syrup just yes. on its own. I think maple yes. syrup is like the most delicious thing the nature's ever created. Yes. Yes. So just, just a little nip here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't tell. Oh, wait. I just told. <laughs> What's your favorite ritual? Making coffee. Mm. Yeah. I lo- or, or like a morning bevy. I go through phases where I don't uh, make coffee I'll do like be doing on a matcha kick or something like that but there's just something it's the same process it happens at the same time each day I have Mm -hmm. like I love the I I like mugs with great texture you know and it just it's it it bridges the gap between like the sleeping world and then kind of like being alert and aware and ready to take on the next daylight chapter yeah (laughs) also walking my dog I love walking my dog yes I've seen him in your grid Mm -hmm. um what's your favorite secret place and that could be internal or external my favorite the secret place well the first thing I thought of was the the land that my mom left me up in the San Juan Islands in northern Washington 
it's, it's where we took her to pass away. And, um, and there's just, whenever I go there, she's also buried on that Island. And when, just whenever I go there, I, it's, it's the only place that like, it feels like her spirit is always mm-hmm. with me. And there, and there's little places that were special to her. And, um, before she passed, she, she died when I was 10 and she wrote me letters for my birthdays, 11 through 18. And in one of the letters, she talked about being a, like a young teenager and studying Wicca and like casting spells. And so I just, I like to think of this young version of my mom, you know, and sort of like her own private Terabithia. Um, yeah. So I'd say that's my favorite secret place. Oh, that's beautiful. What's one word you want people to use to describe you? Captivating. Yes. <laughs> Saucy. What gives you goosebumps? Man, I get them in movies all the time. I cry so easily. Um, it, moments of like triumph and personal choice. Mm. So like in a movie where um, somebody could choose the easy thing, the understandably human thing, and instead they, they make the choice that's an active spirit. And like, it can be like Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings, you know, like, <laughs> like the Marvel movie. I, I think I had goosebumps in that movie, like 14 times. I was like, Oh my God. Oh, you know, <laughs> he's really growing into his power oh my god he doesn't abandon his sister oh my god (laughs) just whole body ripples (laughs) yeah for sure yeah it's and I think too I'm just um I know I talked about integrity a lot earlier but to me integrity is so precious because it's so rare Mm. so when I see it being modeled and and like touted as like and I think we can all agree that we love it when characters do do that yeah um and we want to see characters do that. Um, I think I, yeah, integrity and honor. Yeah. Give me, give me the goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> who's one woman who's really seen you? One woman who's really seen. Oh, Malia Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, Malia Nolan is a healer who I've been working with over the last year. And I specifically hired her to help me with my attachment wounds around losing my mom at such a young age and some of the difficulties that created in my relationship with my dad and that the that woman her capacity to is to see someone and just like blast them with love is like out of this world Mm. Mm. she sounds amazing she Mm -hmm. sounds very powerful before i ask where we can find you (laughs) <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much. My um like girl crush Amita has just gone up a couple of notches since yeah. <laughs> this podcast episode. So thank you. I'm I already I follow you not so much for what you say, but just but who you are and how you speak. So it's really mm-hmm. about your essence and I would I would say that's 99% of the reason why other people follow you as well is that your essence comes through. So um, thank you so much for being so candid today and really shining a light on the mirrors between entrepreneurship and personal life and how we can be loved devotionally through all of that and um, really it's one and the same. And Mm. so thank you, Theora. Thank you for being you and... I'm really excited for you to see where this next chapter, this next iteration, where it goes for you, but it sounds and it's feeling really lush and really expansive and really anchored in for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I love conversations (laughs) like this. You're a fabulous interviewer. Yeah, me too. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Where, Where can we find you if we want to follow you? Instagram's the best place. Mm. Um, I'm sure you'll include the my handle, but no. it's Theora Theora Mensch is my handle, um, and that's the best place. Actually, like, please DM me. 
I had, I have somebody who responds to almost every single one of my emails. And recently he was like, I hope you don't mind that I always have unsolicited comments. And I was like, Oh my gosh, no, my favorite part is when people reach out and talk to me because otherwise when you're a content creator, it can feel like you're just kind of shouting into the wind. Oh, and then when people, totally. When people respond, when they listen to this episode and they like message yeah. you and they message me and they're like, this is what landed. They're like, I didn't agree with you about blah, blah, blah. Right. It becomes a conversation and it becomes a relate, a two-way relationship versus a one-way relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm going to put that as your call to action from today's episode for everyone listening is okay. a share it on Instagram and tag both of us and let us know, both of us know how, what you're going to take away and what really landed in and um, yeah, what your response was to what we talked about today. I would, yeah, I would love that too. I'm going to put my, my name in the hat as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. DM Lauren. Thanks so much, Lyra. Thank you.